You're listening to the Girls in Property podcast, where we explore the world of property, meet amazing guests to hear their stories and support you in your property journey. Hi, everybody. You're here with me, Sophie. And today we're joined by our special guest, Lisa Brown. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Hi. I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. It's lovely to be here. You're very welcome. So in case our listeners don't know about you, Lisa trained as a nurse and her 23 year nursing career was spent in various settings, including the emergency department, where she worked her way up to senior sister and emergency nurse practitioner in a busy East London A&E and as a health visitor. She loved the diversity of nursing roles and has seen the direct impact that quality of housing or lack of housing has on people's health and well-being. Moving to Devon, she struggled to get part-time work around her children, and so she set up Pebble Properties and went about breathing new life into tired buildings. A chance encounter led her to discover supported living, and she loved combining her nursing skills with her property knowledge to develop property for an adult with complex needs. However, as a property investor, she found many frustrations with supported living and that there was little reliable information available. Lisa set out discovering why property investors struggle to let their properties to supported living providers and why providers struggle to find property to let. She's been educating people, raising awareness and working on solutions to this problem ever since. Lisa is the host of the Supported Living Property Podcast and YouTube channel and the founder of Supported Living Property Network. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Was that a very thorough summary? introduction there. <laughs> Amazing. I can't wait to dive into your story and learn more about you. Um, but we always start with something we're celebrating this week. So what are you celebrating, Lisa? I've just launched something new that I've been working on for about a year. So yeah, it's been a big, a really big week for me, actually. Oh, tell us. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's been cool. And I did a webinar on Monday night, and we've had over 350 people register for it. So it was amazing, really wow. great, really great engagement with it. So yes, yeah, so I launched um, the Supported Living Property Academy this week, which is all to help property investors really get deep into supported living. That's amazing. You've had over 300 people sign up. Yeah, to, this is to, to watch the webinar, obviously, yeah. you know, not that many. But yeah, so we've just got so much interest in this at the moment. I think it's something that a lot of property investors are really interested in. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah, on. But yes, yeah, so it's been it's been an exciting, slightly exhausting week, but it's been really good. Oh, amazing. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Um, I'm celebrating that we are moving house in a month, basically. Um, we, we lived abroad for ages because we're into scuba diving and had a resort in Indonesia and stuff. Uh, and amazing. we've kind of been figuring out where we want to be and actually because our property job is kind of flexible and we can kind of do it from anywhere. Uh, we've decided to move to Swanage. So coming Ooh. towards you in your direction, uh, but okay. it's a beautiful seaside town and surrounded by National Trust. And my parents moved there recently. And every time we go there, it just feels like we're on holiday. So we're going to go and move by the seaside. Oh, fabulous. Swanage is lovely. That sounds yes. like a really good move. Brilliant. <laughs> so Lisa, tell us your story. Nursing to property. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was never it was never an intentional move, really. Um, I, I'd always been really interested in property. And actually, um, this morning, I realised that about 20 years ago, we let a property that we owned, it was just our own property out for six months so we could go travelling and, you know, really understood the freedom that that gave us for that mm. period of time. But um I was always going to be a nurse. I loved nursing. It was always what I was going to do. And it was really, I was quite disappointed by moving when we moved. And I struggled to get the senior nursing work and people kept going, oh, you could be a staff nurse. Go back and being a staff nurse. And I was like, no, you know, I've got work to that level. So it was kind of 
by accident that I ended up like it is for a lot of people really that I ended up um, falling into doing property investing. I just was driving um, my younger son's visually impaired. So, you know, childcare is a little bit more complex and I was supporting him in school to start with, with the move down here and sort of um, just helping him with that transition. And I was a bit bored really not working. And so I thought, what am I going to do? Perhaps I'll get a holiday let down here where we are. I live in Devon. It's a beautiful part of the country. So I kind of started exploring that. Then started getting a bit scared about holiday lets because I didn't really understand it. So I thought I just need to learn more. Did loads of podcasts, loads of books. For anyone listening who's fairly new in property, I'm sure you'll endorse this too. But there's so much free information out there, isn't there? It's very easy for people to feel they have to spend three, five, ten thousand pounds on a course. And really, there's a lot, a lot of information out there that you can get for free to start with. So, you know, so I kind of engaged in all of that stuff, got my head around some ideas. Ended up buying a couple of flats that were um, on, uh, it was a house divided into two flats, basically. Um, and they didn't have planning to be two flats. So we got it for a bit of a steal. It was in a really tired state. So we completely refurbed it, um, split the titles before anyone was talking about title splits um, and pulled all our money out and thought, brilliant, that's great. We can do, I can do this again. We can, you know, let's go again. Um, and at that time, I was approached by a specialist housing association really randomly over LinkedIn who just went, oh, it looks like you're a property investor in Devon. Would you um, buy this bungalow for a young man with learning disabilities? And I was like, sounds really interesting. Let's, you know, let's find out more about this. Um, they'd had a uh, property investor pull out of the purchase because they'd struggled with their finance. And so they had this bungalow all lined up for this young man who really needed a home, who was at risk of being admitted to hospital. He um, had been really inappropriately housed for for years, actually, into various different properties, was very unsettled. He is nonverbal, so he's not able to express it. He expresses his frustration by breaking things and getting frustrated with the property that he was in because it wasn't right. And so his current landlord was trying to evict him. And he was, you know, it was an emergency situation to get this property done. And I was just like, yeah, brilliant. Let's do it. Very naively in hindsight. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's great. We can do that. Um, And bought the property, refurbed it. Um, I loved the kind of liaison with his his staff team, his family, the local authority, pulling everything together. That kind of appealed to my Mm. kind of nursing and I think I I realised that I spoke the same language as a lot of the staff in, in a way that other property investors perhaps don't. We developed that property. He moved in. Um, it was brilliant. His, you know, his mum was so thrilled with the property, thought, you know, and he moved in. And actually all the good things we know about getting someone in their right property, his support needs dropped. He was having four to one, so four members of staff 24 hours a day wow. because he was so unsettled yeah. and so, you know, you know, and actually once he was in this house, his support needs dropped to two to one because he was mm. in the right place and he felt safe and secure and you know and it was entirely the right thing to do the local providers were going Lisa that's brilliant I need two of those here we need three of those here and I was like <laughs> great okay fab this is a model I can do this yeah. is what I should be doing and then I struggled I bought the property on a bridge and then I thought oh it's fine I'll just get a mortgage and then we'll go again and um couldn't get lending really struggled to get lending the surveyor came around to when i eventually found a mortgage product came around to value the property and said oh you've ruined this property look what you've done to it. it's terrible downvalued it by about 50 grand (laughs) and i couldn't win any appeals because there was nowhere else to go it was the only mortgage product available so from a property investing point of view it was a bit of a disaster as a property but from an ethical and moral point of view i knew it was the right thing to do so I started exploring. Well, I was like, well, I can't be the only person in this space. There must be other people. Started searching all the Facebook groups, all the chats everywhere I could find and couldn't find anyone talking about supported living. Now, this was quite a few years ago, but I couldn't find anyone at all. And I was like, 
this is nuts. There must be people doing this. I could see the big investment funds were investing in this space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where they they do all their due diligence, they only deploy funds very carefully, don't they? So it's like, actually, if it's good enough for those guys, why aren't private property investors doing this? And actually, we can meet this need as well. That was a massive need for property. So I ended up setting up a Facebook group which ended up being like just kind of like stake in the sand to say to people, here I am, come and, you know, come and find us. Let's talk yeah. about supported living. And it's kind of snowballed from there, really, Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So if a provider um, comes to you, do they generally want, they say these are our needs and then you're like, okay, I'm going to buy the house. I'm going to make it for those needs and then lease it to them. Yeah, so the providers are looking to lease properties because obviously they can't use an AST because an AST isn't appropriate if it's a if it's an organisation. So they will lease your property. They will lease that property for typically anything between two to fifteen years. I would say on average you're looking at sort of three to seven years for most properties. So they'll take your property off your hands if you like. They'll manage that property for you in that time, which as a property investor can be a really appealing prospect. What you can be offered in that, you know, um, and. And then they will put tenants into that property. They'll generally manage the property. They'll depends what's in the lease and what the wording is within the lease. But they'll often cover things like um, the gas boiler servicing. They'll cover all the voids. You get your money every month, whether they have tenants in the property or not. You know, they they will um, cover wear and tear, breakages. Having private rented property and supported living property, I can absolutely tell you the one I prefer. <laughs> I get a phone call from the provider saying, oh, there's a few windows broken. Don't worry, we're sorting it. Or I get a phone call from my letting agent going, well, we need to make this decision between these ones and which one are you going to pay for? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's much nicer. It's a far, if you're working with good providers, and that's the thing. There are, you know, with all things like with our within property, and all things there are good and not so good people out there. So you have to do your due diligence and make sure you're working with good providers. But mm-hmm. yeah, working with good providers makes holding property for the long term a really appealing prospect. Cool. So if someone doesn't know anything about it, what is the market like? What's the demand like? And what kind of um, tenants are we getting? What kind of providers are we getting? Do you have to make lots of alterations to the property? Um, So I I can talk about all of those for about two hours. So I think (laughs) from demand point of view, there's demand all over the country. There's providers looking literally all over the country, slightly less in Wales and slightly less in Scotland because their systems are different, but they're coming round to doing more supported delivering delivery supported living delivery model um but definitely within all over england there's massive demand um so we have providers take a whole range of different organizations they might be things like charities they might be community interest companies they might be care businesses whole range of different people who are looking for organizations who are looking for property to lease And the tenants who might be in that property can be a huge variety. So they could be domestic abuse survivors. They could be veterans. They could be people with learning disabilities, mental health, autism. They could be children in care, teenagers transitioning from the care Mm. service. There's a whole range. There's an awful lot of organisations, when you think about it, who deliver support to people. But as part of that delivery, that it's wrapped up with a tenancy as well. So they need property to be able to support people to transition on to take tenancies of their own or to have secure homes for life. Amazing. It's so broad, (laughs) isn't it? It sounds like it is huge. It really is. And, And the thing that's 
sometimes frustrating is people ask me like, well, you know, what is the answer to this? And I'm like, it's not a black and white. This is the answer because there's there's a lot of grey within and a lot of variation. Um, but you can see just how much demand there is. And so if you're listening and you've got a real passion for you know, you're really interested in domestic abuse survivors or actually children in care, you know, you can really target the way that you're, you move and the, the providers you can approach. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then in terms of area, do you need to be near a city? Like when we do our market research for HMOs, for example, we look for certain demographics and populations and employers and things like that. What would you be looking for? Um, you're looking for there's higher demand where there's higher population density. So I've got a few providers who are looking for very rural properties, but not many, to be honest. There would normally be people maybe dealing with teenagers who've been involved in gangs or I've had a lot of disruption who are looking for something very different. The majority of the providers are looking for somewhere in a town, in a city, where people can access and be part of the community. That's a big part of rehabilitation or you know quality of life for people is that actually they can get to do a small job. They can get to the job centre where there's very few job centres left but you know where you can actually get to a shop to buy a pint of milk you can get on the bus to go and see a friend or have a coffee you know normal life stuff so actually we don't want people to be sort of stuck a long way out where they can't actually access those things so so generally just areas of population density but they don't have to be massive cities there's small towns all over the place that's needed as well amazing so if someone wanted so someone's like yes this is what i want to do it feels meaningful and it's property how would they get started what would you advise so um, I think it's about find, trying to find providers to work with. You know, I think that's something that's difficult and it's something a lot of provider, property investors struggle with. The providers struggle to find you guys too, which is why I've ended up setting up the network because it's just a way to bring everyone together. Um, you know, so oh, there's a lot of free resources on my website you can have a look at. There's a guide you can download about how to find providers. So I, I just got asked it so much that I thought I might as well just write it and then people can yeah, find it and download that's it. That's amazing. So, so yeah, there's there's some good starting points there, and it's it you know it's just about trying to find the right organisations to work with. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of funding, I guess I guess this could be done on a rent to rent basis. And it then, can be, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's a little bit trickier to do on a rent to rent basis. There's some compliance stuff, and some of the providers I work with would be less happy with that arrangement, but others would be okay with it. So it just depends on the providers you're working with. Um, and yeah, from a funding perspective, you, you know, I'm often asked what the rents are. That's a really common question. Is you know, everyone assumes we're going to be getting very low rents, but actually, if you're looking at people with support needs, particularly significant support needs, there's often a case for enhanced housing benefits. So the rents can sit near a market rent um, a lot of the time so you can think actually if you're leasing your property to a provider so say five years and you're getting market rent for that and you're not responsible for voids and bits mm-hmm. and pieces you can see how actually you can end up being net better off yeah that's amazing so what does your day-to-day look like now what how, how does your business work and what are you up to <laughs> I don't I don't think I have a standard day today. I'd really I was I was having this conversation with someone the other day about routine and I was thinking I'm like, it's very chaotic because I'm involved in so many different bits and pieces. So I I spend a lot of time doing I do a lot um of you know with the network I do a lot of bringing people together into the community so there's community building and supporting people. I do a lot of content creation to help people to understand it with a podcast. You know how time consuming podcasts are. <laughs> having a podcast yourself, you know, it's a great thing but actually it does take quite a bit of time. So I think I spend quite a lot of time creating social media content and things like that as well. I um, meet with a lot of um, providers who are looking for property and help them understand how to work with property investors. So I do quite a lot of that work. And and then also the direct, the providers that I'm working with personally and the local authorities, we're trying to um, 
we're currently looking at developing some properties um, down here again for some other people with more complex learning disabilities. In some ways I'm probably a bit daft because they're not the ones that stack so well financially trying to buy big detached bungalows in Devon because half the world wants to retire to a detached bungalow in Devon. Yeah. <laughs> but they're properties that are really needed by these individuals. And it's what interests me. And I'm in a lovely position now where I'm approached by investors who want to invest for the social impact side of it. So actually we can you know, pull those funds together to try and secure some of these homes for people. So it takes longer to try and get some of those off the ground than it does other areas of supported living. You know, So there's quite a lot of meetings and liaison to try and make sure we get things right. I was in a meeting yesterday for a young man who's been completely inappropriately housed again. He's been set up to fail really. He's been put into a terraced house. The neighbours have made mounted a hate campaign against him so we need to get him into the right home and we can't fail him again so we've got to do a lot of planning and make sure we get exactly the right location for this property for him so I really I love all of that stuff that really interests me um and yeah and then the training side of things so yeah yeah I'm a bit all over the place I've got two teenagers as well so I kind of end up yeah it's always a bit chaotic my life (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing but I love that you've kind of gone for this niche and you've just gone a thousand percent into it you're not like saying okay so I'm doing um the supported living but I've also got a couple of HMOs and I'm flipping here and I'm doing that because I think that's what a lot of people sometimes get distracted by you know it's something interesting here and something else yeah. there but you've niched so well that you are you're ev- everywhere I see you <laughs> this might sound weird um it's it's Lisa Brown supported living like you're the person to speak to so I think our listeners can actually gain a lot from that as well yeah I think it's it's been really interesting and uh, I know a few people have said how do, how are you everywhere I mean I am on social media quite a lot I don't it's me doing it I don't have like a team someone's two people have messaged me recently said who's doing your social media I really need you to introduce me to them and I was like just me <laughs> perhaps I should offer that service um, <laughs> so I think it's it's just about um yeah I, I do spend time on social media it does take time to do it I, you know I wouldn't be honest if it wasn't but I think um and it's been years I, it's not it's that whole thing of you know I've been doing this for a long time you know my Facebook group now has got nearly 5,000 people in it but we started you know I remember being thrilled when we got to 50 it was amazing we mm. got 50 people interested in supported living can't quite believe we're approaching 5,000 now you know it is it, it's a amazing and the the numbers of people who are interested in this and I love the fact that we're I think you know we've seen people talking about supported living so much more people are talking about it all over the place if I was to do those same searches in Facebook groups now that I did a few years ago you'll find lots of chats and lots of conversations about it which is fabulous but it's also a little bit concerning because there's a lot of people out there claiming they know what they're doing claiming they understand it and I think there's it's a complex space to get right. I've been learning it for years and I still don't feel like I know it, you know, and it's, and I think there's some people out there who are saying, oh, I know everything about this. And that always scares me a little bit. Yeah. I think because property training can be so unregulated, like I talk about this so much, (laughs) it's all about doing your due diligence, isn't it? And seeing if this person who offers training has experience in it and and you can speak to them and they do answer your questions properly and and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. And also, people who've been through the system now who have been the whole way through the system as well with that person because I've been approached a few times just recently with other people um, about other trainers that I and some of those were people I was quite shocked by that I've been approached by you know trainers who you think oh I think they've got quite a good name I feel quite safe with them for people and then people oh no another one you know so I do yeah you've really really got to check people out if you're spending money with people haven't you yeah but your visibility is amazing and I always say to people (laughs) 
no one's going to invest in you if they can't see what you're doing. (laughs) So just posting, you know, regularly, whether it's every day or every couple of days, you're saying, look, this is what I'm doing. And then people will get to know, like, and trust you. Absolutely. And I think having some other things that you talk about, if you're looking for visibility tips, have your boundaries about what you do. So my boys are very clear. They don't want to be on social media. She won't see them on social media at all because they would kill me. So I talk about my dogs and I talk about swimming. I swim in the sea a lot. So as well as the property side of things. But that means that when people talk to me, they generally feel safer talking about either the dogs or about my swimming and then they'll get into the property side of things and literally every conversation I have will start with one of those two Mm. things before we get to property so I don't think you need to be this kind of exclusive I only talk about property I'm a property goddess and that's all I ever talk about I don't think that's true I think people like to see a bit more of you but they don't need to see all of you they don't have you know it's a very curated bit of my life that I I show really you know it's very clear on which bits I show and which bits I don't show yeah amazing um, so we're going to move on to property disasters now, if that's all right, because <laughs> we like to keep it real for our listeners. Yes, so yes. have you got a property disaster you'd like to share? I've got so many I could share. <laughs> there are so many. I've had dodgy mentors. I've had bad business relationships. I've had so many things I could talk about. But I suppose the thing that's really current and that I'm going through at the moment is refinancing those first flats that I've got that I talked about. Um, you know, they're standard by to lets, but the fees, I, I'm fully prepared for the mortgage rate rises, fully prepared for that. But the fees they're throwing onto a standard buy to let at the moment, we're looking at, <clears throat> by the time I've paid the legals and the valuation and the fees, seven grand a flat. Wow. I know. And these are standard buy to lets that with the new cash increase is only going to cash flow maybe 150, 200 pounds at the moment. And you're just like, I'm going to be funding. Oh, So I've got this horrible, horrible dilemma at the moment because they're, qu- they're in quite a good location in Torquay. I could probably Airbnb them. Morally, every fibre of me is screaming not to because I've got lovely local tenants in there who need a home. Mm. And that's what everyone else is doing in Devon at the moment is Airbnb being their buy-to-lets. But I'm like, I'm going to end up cash. Oh, I still can't decide what I'm going to do about them. It's horrible. And it's a really difficult decision. So, yeah, what was this beautiful? Oh, I used to brag about this. It was my all money out deal and my free <laughs> when I wasn't amazing I'm now like ow what am I gonna do (laughs) yeah well I hope that everything settles down eventually in the next kind of 12 18 months and the dilemmas you know go away a bit because that is really tough it's just rubbish I don't want to be evicting tenants for no reason it's completely the wrong thing to do um but yeah difficult decisions I've got to make there around how I'm going to make those work so yeah that's that's my current kind of dilemma yeah amazing um mine is uh rubbish beds oh okay (laughs) we started our rent to rent business just over two years ago and we may not have made good decisions when we furnished the first couple of properties and I think we got the beds off Amazon (laughs) Amazon (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yes, I'm and they're like metal framed. Oh, like those really cheap basic ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah. screw it all together fine. It looked mm. all right, um, but they're all just bending and breaking. And we were like, that was a stupid investment because we're now oh. replacing everyone's beds, but we're now putting much nicer ones in and we're upgrading. And um, yeah, it's tough when you start out, isn't it? Because you're kind of bootstrapping. Mm. Um, but we're, you know, we're growing and we're we're improving all the time. So yeah, that's yeah. And as long as you are replacing them, you're not leaving your tenants with the horrible bent, broken beds. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just just sleep on the it. floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know some people who would, so it's good that they. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Mm. Um, so we've got a listener's question for you to finish okay. off with from Tammy, mm. who is wondering what direction do I take? 
Cool. <laughs> <laughs> About, is there any more information? Well, I think she's looking to get into property and just okay. overwhelmed by everything. So she's saying, what direction do I take? Oh, okay. As in to completely where to start. Mm. Okay. So I would, um, I would do a lot of listening to podcasts. Podcast listening works for me. If it doesn't work for you, then books, if you're more of a reader and blogs and things. Um, joining, yeah, I think you have to be really careful about joining some of the Facebook communities because there's a lot of ulterior motives and push towards some of the sales pitches. So I think you just need to be very, very aware. There's a lot of people in this training space, like we were talking about earlier, who are maybe not in it for the right reasons. So I think, yeah, I would access a lot of free information to start with and and then listen and talk to people who've done it and listen with a slightly, don't want to say cynical, which I mean of questioning, mm, <laughs> you know, and just be really, yeah, curious. That's a nicer way to say it, a curious way, you know, to just be really understand what they've done, how they've got to where they are, um, you know, and tr- just try and connect with people. Maybe go to a couple of local networking groups and just find out how other people started and what they did. There's so much to it, isn't there? It depends whether you've got a big chunk of funds behind you or you've got no money behind you, you know, there's, there's and what your sort of credit rating is. There's a whole load of stuff you need to be aware of when you're getting into property. But I think don't feel you have to rush into something take some time do some research and um yeah really kind of get your head around and think write down what it is you want out of property why are you getting into it do you want a job or do you want actually some income to come in Um, and then sort of shape with the direction you take around what your goals actually are and write them down so you can go back and reflect on them regularly that's amazing thank you well thank you so much for joining us i've learned a lot i'm gonna go and download all your stuff (laughs) but i think it's a great you know it's a great market to be in it sounds like there's massive demand and um you are queen of the supported living space so thank you so much for joining us oh Um, thank you it's lovely to be here find you um or how can they connect with you if they're looking to learn more um, so my website is just lisabrown.uk, not co.uk. And if you go to lisabrown.com, you get some weird horror author. So just lisabrown.uk is where you'll find me. All my resources and everything are on there. Um, I've obviously got the Facebook group. It's just Supported Living Property with Lisa Brown. And I think I'm on all the socials. If you look at Lisa Brown Property on LinkedIn or Instagram, because obviously there are a million Lisa Browns, but I generally come up under Lisa Brown Property. So. Amazing. Thank you. And we are girlsinpropertypod at gmail.com if you've got a listener's question or would like to write in. And we're girlsinpropertypod on Insta. And I am Sophie Invests on Insta. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye.